Praise the Lord, everybody. How many of you know if you don't lose your faith, you can have victory in Jesus' name? Amen. How many of you know if you praise your way through, the Bible says that when the enemy is caught, he's got to repay sevenfold. Amen. Don't lose your faith in the midst of any storm. Keep praising to the other side. Welcome to church, everybody. It is so good to see all of you. We are glad that you are here. What a special day today is. Today is one of my favorite services that we have every single year. It's one of my favorite services for two reasons. Number one, we have the special ladies of the Walter Hoving home here with us. And they are going to minister to us in such a powerful way. I promise you that your faith will be deepened today, that your trust in God will be deepened today. And then also today is a special day because today is the day that we come together every year to fund the gospel. And what a great vision God has for us in the upcoming years. Amen. And so I hope that at the end of the service, you are all prepared to give generously today. I want to take this moment to introduce the leaders of the Walter Hoving Home. They are also our campus pastors at our Cold Spring campus. Um, they are dear friends, wonderful people doing one of the greatest works that I know of. This is Pastor Tim and Beth Greco. Would you receive them as they come? We are just so honored to be here today. Every chance we get to come back to the mothership, hallelujah, because we're in Cold Spring. What a blessing it is. You know, the partnership between Faith Church and the Hoving Home is just um, phenomenal. We can't do without what we do. And all of these ladies here, their lives are so changed because of your faithfulness and your giving. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Faith Church helped us build a kitchen that had been there for about a 100 years, and they deconstructed it and put in brand new equipment. It was so wonderful. Not just that, carpet. And we just had a work day with Pastor Chris, who came up. And uh, we are so excited to be here today. This is our favorite service of the year. Praise the Lord. My wife, Beth, is the CEO and president of the Hoving Home. She also has the great distinctive honor to be married to me. Hallelujah. Good morning. You can have a seat. We're glad to be here this morning to celebrate with you. Thank you, Faith Church, for the way you partner with Hoving Home. We're going to show you a video. We're going to have some testimonies and song. I just want to mention we have three um, three programs, four programs here with us today. We have our New York Home, our women's program. We have our Women and Children program with us today. We have our Leadership Academy. And um, we also brought down our New Jersey women's program. So we have a full house here with you today. So I'm going to show you a video, and, and then we'll get them up here. When I was stuck in the deepest part of my addictions, I was alone. And my grandmother had attended a church that we all attended as a family, as kids. And she told my youth pastor, and he told me about this place that Mike could help me. And I made a collect call, and it ended up being the Hoving Home in Garrison, New York. I'm Beth Greco, CEO and President of Hoving Home. I've been with the ministry for 30 years, and I've seen miracles take place. The mission of the Hoving Home is to build a loving community that empowers women to fulfill their God-given destiny. We serve women over 18 struggling with addiction. We also serve, in one of our programs, women with children. That's restoration without separation as they come and their children live in residence with them. Since 1967, Hoving Home has had tens of thousands of women walk through the door with an opportunity to change their life. For those that complete and graduate our program, there's an 82% success rate for those that never return to their old way of life. I can remember in that first few weeks how hard it was. And I sat in a room one day with the staff, didn't believe at all that I could change. In fact, was telling her I couldn't. And she looked over at me and she said, you may not believe it right now, but would you hang on to my faith? Because I believe that God can change your life. 
So like myself, many of our women come to just get sober. We think that's what we need. But when you come into a relationship with Jesus and your heart and life is transformed, you get so much more. You don't just get sober. You get peace. You get joy. You get hope. And that's what life transformation looks like. That you have this power to live that you never had before. When a lady enters the Hoving home, she enters into our phase one, which is our crisis care. A bed to sleep in, good food to eat, and people that care about her. And in that first 30 days, that's really the key, just to help them adjust and feel safe. In the lay in the foundation phase, the women will begin to work through the root causes of their addiction, while also learning about who Jesus is and what he can do for them and how he can change them. And as we mix in his love with dealing with their shame and their guilt, they can begin to find freedom. One of the important pieces of the next part of the journey is career and employment readiness. Many of our women don't even know what their gifts and talents are, and they discover it here. We teach computer skills. People can get their driver's license, their GED. They can get mentoring, coaching, counseling. And as they begin to find what they're really good at, then we begin to help them discover what God might have for them for the rest of their lives. And during this time, they're also getting more responsibility. They're being trusted more. And they begin to gain confidence, this God confidence that will carry them through to the next phase, which is transition. Living outside of the program, working a job, being responsible adults, and applying all of the scripture and everything that they've learned along the journey. At Hoving Home, we see that addiction shatters people's lives. It doesn't discriminate, but Jesus rebuilds shattered lives. Well, we do, but um, I just, um, I always like to say that we are not about sobriety. We are about life transformation through Jesus Christ. We believe it is Jesus that can change a life. Jesus can heal. Jesus delivers. Jesus saves, right? And and um, that permeates every part of our program. We also have um, information in the back on some tables. We have some things for sale. Please stop by if you want information. Grab any of us um, that you see, and we'd be happy to answer your questions. We are so grateful for this church community that cares about us loves us. Pastor Frank and Lisa are dear friends of ours, and um, we have just felt so cared for for many years by this church, and so we're glad we're a part of your family. And there's a lot of them, so I'm trying to get them up here. <laughs> you actually got a treat. We don't usually travel with this many, so so you got all of us this morning, and um, I just pray as you're listening to them, as you're hearing their stories, maybe you know someone that's addicted, that's struggling. I pray that hope would ignite in your heart this morning for that person. And as you're listening to the songs and the testimonies, pray for that person, that they would have the power of God come into life. And we can ever be a a help, a referral. Please call us. We will help you find a place for those that you love if we can't help. I'd like to introduce you to the Hoving Home Choir. Um, Jenna. Jenna is coming up first to share her story with you. She is currently in our Women and Children program. Hello, everyone. Uh, Thank you for letting me be here today. Um, My name is Jenna. I'm 27 years old. Um, I have two beautiful daughters, ages three and four. Um, I was born in Pennsylvania, and then I moved to Florida when I was 13 with my mom and dad. Um, I have two half-sisters on my dad's side, so um, growing up, I was raised as a single um, and only child, and because of that, I got anything I asked for, pretty much. I was really spoiled, and as a kid, it was blessed. My home life was um, very happy and blessed. Um, when I turned 19, um, that's when my view towards my parents changed, unfortunately. I graduated high school, and I wanted some more freedom. So um, 
That's when I got into my first serious relationship, and he introduced me to marijuana and alcohol. Um, that relationship shortly ended in abuse, um, and so I just started going from guy to guy looking for love in all the wrong places. So the men, the drugs, the alcohol, that stayed pretty constant for a few years. Um, at this time, I knew of Jesus because I was raised Catholic, but I didn't know what it was like to have a relationship with him and invite him into my heart. Um, so that was constant, and then a few years later, I found a church like this one, and I fell in love with it. And I got baptized, I started serving, um, but I didn't surrender my whole life to Jesus, um, only on Sundays and when I was doing my small groups. But the rest of the week, I started dabbling things that I shouldn't be dabbling in. And a few years later, at, 30, at 23 and 24, I had both of my daughters. Um, and then I started picking up alcohol again, but excessively this time. Um, I knew I had a problem around this time because I... I had to have a constant buzz everywhere I went. Um, I was super depressed from having kids and raising them. I was still living with my parents at this time, um, so it was frustrating being an adult, but also living under my parents' roof. Um, I started taking alcohol to work, and I would steal alcohol from my job. Um, that's when I knew I had a problem, when I couldn't go a day without it. So one of my friends in... My recovery group, because I joined the recovery group at church, um, she told me about the Hoving Home. I kept having relapses after relapses, and I knew I needed something more. So I looked up the Hoving Home, um, and I knew I knew I had to go. So I packed up me and my two kids, and we came to the Garrison, New York location. Um, I entered the program with them May 5th of 2023, and... I haven't had I haven't been closer to Jesus since since coming to the program. He's um, shown me thank you. He's shown me what it's like to to feel your feelings and that it's okay to not numb them and instead of running away from them to run to him instead. Um, he's taught me how to be the mom he wants me to be to my children and that I'm a child of God, that I'm I'm truly his. Um my future plans, I want to go back to Florida and be restored with my parents. And I would also love to build um, a Hoving Home Linus and Lamb in Orlando, Florida, as it's very much needed there. Um, I also am going to work up to my dream job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I want to fully work up to my dream job of working at my home church. Um, and the scripture that I stand on is Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five. She is clothed in strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. Thank you.
Good morning, Faith Church. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm 32 years old, and I'm from Yonkers, New York. I grew up going to Catholic school. I had a younger sister and both my parents in my life. At the age of 11, we abruptly moved from the city to a very rural part of the Adirondacks. Um, And being um, from the city and moving in the middle of sixth grade, this was an extremely hard transition where I never fit in at that school and was bullied throughout my entire schooling there. Um, Even though my parents were together, their relationship was in constant turmoil. There was really no love between them. So as I got older into my teenage years, my mother started to blame me a lot for their fighting. So around the age of 14, I just started to rebel against her by sneaking out and um, experimenting with alcohol. I managed to graduate high school, but shortly after that, my dad was laid off from his job, and um, he was returning back to the city for work, and because I was not really doing anything, my mom made me go with him, which split our family up, and then left me alone and isolated again, feeling like an alien. I had no friends, and I just felt lost, so I clung to the first person I met, and he happened to be a heroin addict, so at the age of 18, I tried heroin. At the same time, my dad became very ill and was diagnosed with stage 4 skin cancer, and he passed away two years later, which sealed my fate as an IV heroin user and a crack smoker. Slept to several years of failed rehab attempts, chronic homelessness, and the death of two boyfriends. In June 2017, I was in a dangerous situation, so I relocated back upstate and got clean off heroin and crack, but continued drinking and led me into a crowd using party drugs. I was sought out by a man who introduced me to crystal meth, and I was in a relationship with him for two years that was mentally, emotionally, and physically abusive. In September of last year, I fled the relationship, and even though I was physically safe, the mental and emotional wounds from this relationship were so deep that I wasn't functioning at all. I had no idea what was real or fake, what was up from down. I was completely dead. So I made the decision to try heroin again, and I overdosed. I lost my housing, but this is where the Lord met me. Um, No matter how hard I tried to get high, the drugs wouldn't work, and I finally believed in a higher power. So I um, had heard of the Hoving Home, and I called and did an intake and entered February of this year. And um, since being at the home, through prayer and mentorship, I am no longer tormented of the evil spirits of that abusive relationship. Before coming into the home... My mom was about to put in a two-year order of protection against me. It no longer exists. I go home every month, and he's restoring that. And I get to witness to my family and hopefully save my sister one day. My future plans, I've been accepted into the Leadership Academy to to continue my walk with Jesus and to serve in ministry and to help save people like me. And the scripture I stand on is Psalms 116, 8 through 9. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, so I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Thank you. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having us this morning. My name is Amanda Gonzalez. I am 27 years old and I am from Freehold, New Jersey. Um, I was born in Amatitlan, Guatemala and was adopted at one and a half by two loving and God-fearing parents. Um, church was a vital aspect of my life. Um, we grew up Christian, church every Sunday, youth group, VBS, Joyful Noise, anything that involved church, I was there. And I had many friends within that body that I grew up with. Um, it wasn't until after um, high school when I started realizing the things that the world had to offer um, prior to that, I had developed my own relationship with Christ and learned to trust and surrender to him, but I really didn't know what that meant. Um, so after graduating and going into college, I started experimenting with um, multiple drugs and many abusive relationships. Um, this led to, unfortunately, mental illness, multiple suicide attempts, um, very bad abusive relationships, destroyed family relationships, and overdoses, and uh, multiple sexual assaults. So I was relatively being broken more and more as I entered farther and farther into the world. I stopped caring about the Lord, and I replaced that that 
a hole in my heart with drugs. And I became dedicated and devoted to being an addict. Um, it wasn't until January of 2023, I was without a car, I didn't have a job, and I wanted to get high. So I called my dealer and I asked him to drop off some stuff and I was going to spend the last little bit of money that I had just to numb whatever pain I was feeling that day. So he came and I stupidly got into his car to party and um, the next thing I knew, I was being awoken by a very concerned EMT and he was holding two bottles of Narcan and had expressed to me that I had died for seven minutes because I had overdosed. And I really didn't know what to think about that. I was in kind of denial because it didn't feel real. I didn't know why I was still alive at that point because truthfully I didn't want to be. So following that, I walked home from the, uh, the hospital and when I got inside of my apartment, I had realized that my clothes were on backwards and I had bruising and I was able to come to the conclusion that the man that I had gotten into the car with sexually assaulted me and left me on the curbside for dead. So at this point, I went into a mental hospital, which did absolutely nothing. I was there for two weeks, and once I left, I was right back at popping pills. And eventually, I was about to get evicted out my apartment. And my parents, being as loving as they are, were just so hurt by what I put them through that they told me that I can't come home. I can't go to their house, and I knew it. I knew why. I hurt them to the point of no repair at that moment, but God. So following that, I decided to make the call to the Hoving home that my mom's best friend had told her about two years ago, and it took two years of them fighting with me to make the call, and I kept saying no, but finally, the Lord said yes, and he worked through me to make that call. So upon coming to that home, I felt peace. That first night, I knew that this is where I needed to be, as I've gone through the program, the amount of forgiveness that I have been able to do is not by my own strength, but by the strength of Christ. I have forgiven the men who have assaulted me. I have forgiven the men who have abused me. I have forgiven the friends who have turned their backs on me when I needed them most. And ultimately, I have forgiven myself, and all of that is done by Christ. No longer do I listen to those voices in my head telling me that I am not worthy. No longer do I listen to those voices that tell me that I am better off dead because I know that Christ has a purpose for me and I am free from my addiction and I am not going back and I know this. Um, as for my future plans, I really don't know. I have a couple of options, but what I do know is that I want to be used. And every day I am praying to be a vessel. I am praying for those God-ordained moments that I don't want to miss because I know that my story and my testimony can touch someone else. Something so small to me can be something so significant to them, and I want to be used for that. So whatever it is that he's calling me to do, I'm going to say yes and amen because my way doesn't work. <laughs> and um, the verse that I stand on is 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. Therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man entangles himself in civilian affairs so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a good soldier. Thank you.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Jesus is the answer, amen? Jesus is the answer, for real. Not just words, but that's the truth. No matter what mechanisms and means the world has to set people free, they're temporary. They're not lasting. Jesus can do more in people's lives than anything else that we can ever imagine. And that's why we are so excited to be partners with this ministry. The gospel is the answer. It sets people free, amen? In every single way, it sets us free from our addictions. It sets us free from our bondages. But it sets us free from sin and death, amen? Gives us eternal life. The gospel is the answer the world needs. And so we are excited about being able to sow into the gospel. I'm going to share a little teaching with you before we dismiss today. And so I want you to prepare your hearts. And it's about sowing to the gospel. Because sometimes I don't think we really understand what we're doing when we are sowing to the gospel. And, and every time we get the opportunity to sow, to send the gospel into people's lives, we're doing what you just saw. We're allowing people to be set free. We're allowing God to use us to make not just a difference here in this earth, but a difference for all of eternity. And so um, this is not going to be long today, but but I want to share with you some truths from the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, as we prepare our hearts to give to you to fund the gospel, we pray right now that the truths of the Word of God would see, sink deep into our souls and that we would be motivated by the life-changing nature of what the gospel represents. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. You know, as we come to the word of God, the word of God teaches us a couple of reasons why you and I ought to sow. The first and most important reason why you and I ought to sow to the gospel is out of love. Jesus said it best, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And what he was teaching is simply this, that the primary reason why you and I give to the gospel is because we love Jesus. Matter of fact, we're following our Father's example. The number one scripture in the Bible, right? John 3.16 shows us that God gave out of love. For God so loved Love the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so we give not because we have to, but we give because we love Jesus. First and foremost, that's the most important reason to sow. The second reason the Bible teaches that we ought to sow is out of honor. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And the word honor means to show respect. It means deference and preference. And so notice we sow out of honor for God, not our leftovers, not our crumbs, not our scraps, but our first fruits, our best, because anything less is not deference and it's not preference. And if you read through the Bible, especially in the book of Malachi, they're giving God their leftovers. They're giving God blind sacrifices and lame sacrifices. And listen to what God says in Matthew chapter 1. He says, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my reference, says the Lord of hosts? To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what have we despised your name? He said, you offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible, and when you offer the blind and as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame as a sacrifice, is it not evil? In other words, you not honoring me because you're not deferring to me. You're not giving me priority. You're not giving me preference in your life. And the reason why we sow is because we want to honor God. We want to let God know not only do we love you, but God, we honor you. Our lives revolve around you. Everything we have revolves around you. You are number one in our lives. The third reason the Bible tells us we ought to sow is out of obedience. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10. 
10. Notice how it begins. Everybody knows the verse, but sometimes I think we miss how it begins. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Now notice this is a command. Bring it. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. When I was growing up, you know, I was raised in an Italian home, and Italians don't believe in a lot of explanations when it comes to discipline. And so if your mother tells you to do something and you say why, they just say, because I said so. And you know what? That's not a bad principle. We ought to give just out of obedience, just because God said so. But not simply because we're, you know, trying to get God off our back, not because we have to, but because we want to. We don't give just out of obedience, although that's so important, but we give out of willing obedience because we want to, not reluctantly. Matter of fact, every time God tells us to do something, every command that God gives us is never to take something from us. It's always to give something to us. And so when you read the scripture, he follows the command to bring our tithes and offerings with the promise of blessing. He says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive. And so notice, God is not trying to take something from us when he gives us a command. He's asking us to be obedient so that he can give something to us because when you read the scripture, it says if you're willing and obedient, then you'll eat the good of the land. And so we sow out of love, we sow out of honor, we sow out of obedience, but here's the fourth reason why we sow. We sow out of expectation. Notice what Genesis 8.22 says. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest. Matter of fact, God tells us that whenever, this is what this means, God tells us that whenever we sow a seed, we ought to expect a harvest in our life. And matter of fact, when you read the scripture, you find out that oftentimes when God wanted to bring a harvest into somebody's life, he required that they sow a seed. You remember the widow woman from Zarephath? She was down to nothing. It was a famine. She had a little oil, a little meal left. God sent the prophet uh, uh, Elijah to her. And when Elijah got there, the scripture says, Elijah said, make me a cake first, for thus saith the Lord, the oil and the meal shall not waste. In other words, God wanted to give her a blessing, but he required a seed in order for her to receive the harvest. And so whenever we go to God, we have to realize we sow with expectation. And this is not This is not dishonoring to God. Matter of fact, it's very honoring to God. When we don't expect a harvest on our seed, that's when we're dishonoring God. How do I know this? Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Flip that around. With faith, you do please God. Now, what kind of faith does the scripture talk about? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God, when you bring a seed, when you bring an offering to God, when you sow to the gospel, you are coming to the king, right? You never go to a king empty-handed. You go to a king with worship, right? That's why the wise men, when they came to visit Jesus, they didn't come empty-handed. They were going to a king. For he that cometh to God, watch this, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What is God saying? He's saying don't just sow out of love, don't just sow out of honor, don't just sow out of obedience, but also sow out of expectation. It is a good thing to expect that your father is going to give you a return in life. And so those are the reasons why we sow. But listen to this. When we sow for those reasons... We reap in the following ways. Number one, we reap what we sow. Do not be deceived, the scripture says. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so when we sow out of love, 
When we sow out of honor, when we sow out of obedience, when we sow out of expectation, we reap what we sow. So if you want friends, what do you have to sow? Friendliness. If you want kindness, what do you have to show? So kindness. If you want favor, what do you have to sow? Favor. If you want financial increase in your life, what do you have to sow? Look at how quiet it got on that one. Everybody knew the answer for everything else. But for that one, you all of a sudden went brain dead, right? You all of a sudden, the, the scripture didn't apply to you there. Whatever we sow, that we will reap. But number two, here's how we reap. We reap in proportion to how we sow. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse number six. But this I say, he who sows sparingly, will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Here's what that means. We shouldn't be surprised by the size of our harvest. The size of our harvest is determined by the size of our seed. So if we want a big harvest in our life, we've got to sow generous seed. You cannot get a big harvest with chintzy seed. You cannot get a big harvest with cheap seed. You cannot give a big harvest with leftover seed. You can only give a big harvest with generous seed. And notice, remember how the woman... From Zarephath, how did she receive? She received according to the word of the Lord. The oil did not waste. The the meal did not run out for three and a half years. Every time she went, it kept on producing. Why? She gave everything she had. She gave the last bit of it. So number one, when we sow the right way, when we sow according to love, according to honor, according to obedience, according to expectation, we reap what we sow. We reap in proportion to how we sow. And the last thing I want to share with you, we always reap more than we sow. Isn't that amazing about God? You always reap more than you sow. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will it be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. What is that saying? It's saying you always reap more than you sow. I got a little illustration here I want to show you. Can I show you this illustration real quick? All right. Anybody like ice cream? Now, when I do ice cream, I do it a special way. All right. Let me see. Excuse the mic for a second. Can somebody come up here and help me? Come, 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 come. Al. Al, come on. Come on. Hold the mic here for a second. Now, watch this. Hold it right there. You put the ice cream in, hold it where, where the people can hear me. Thank you. Now hold up a second. Now stay right there. Now for most people, that's full. Right? But that's not full to me. In order to get this like it needs to be, hold that there. Hold it, come over with me. First thing you got to do is... You got to get all... You got to get all... Can I get a new volunteer? Hold on. Thank you very much. Come on up here. Come on up here. I can't have somebody messing up my illustration. Can, can, can you hold it right here? Keep it, keep it right on my chin. You got it? Okay. So, so what we need to do is we need to do like this here. Pack it in. Then what we need to do is we need to smash it down a little bit. Like this here. Now look at what was full before, now only half full. Now what we need to do is we need to get some more ice cream in here. Hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. See now y'all think y'all think that's full, right? It's overflowing just a little bit, but it's supposed to. It's supposed to. See, we we got to get it in there. This is only a pint, y'all, right? But I guarantee you that this pint is holding way more than a pint. But God doesn't only good measure, press down, shaking together. What, what God does is God, God, hold on a second. What, what God does, what God does, 
is, is God says, when you sow, thank you. When you sow, this right here is how you receive. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. See, see, what we need to understand is when we sow the right way, we reap the right way. When we sow out of love, when we sow out of honor, when we sow out of obedience, and when we sow out of expectation, God always allows us to reap more than we sow. So we need to understand what we're doing when we give to the gospel. We don't give for the reward, but the reward is inevitable. We don't give because that's our main motivation. Our main motivation is love. That's the number one thing. It's honor. It's obedience. But then it's expectation. And then God says when your heart is in the right place, when you put me first, when you fund the gospel, this is what I do in your life. One of my favorite scriptures because I'm living it now. It took me a while to get to this place in my life. There was a long time I wasn't living it. And the scripture says, cast your bread upon the water. For after many days, it will come back on every wave. I promise you, it was just God like winking at me. So this morning I was writing my my check out. I brought a nice big wad of cash in too. And then I wrote a check out. And I gave the check to Pastor Al. I said, here, put this in the offering for me. Don't, I don't want to throw this too much cash to just put right in the offering. I said, put it right into the safe right here. I said, because Italians, we got cash. <laughs> we got our own safe. We keep it in the mattress. We keep it in, we keep it in the pipes. We keep it wherever you need to keep it, you know? And so I said, put that cash in there. And as soon as I released it from my hand, in walked one of my business partners with a return on one of our investments. At the same, and I knew it was coming, but it was if God said, see, if you, if you keep casting your bread upon the water, after many days it'll come back on every wave. You need to get into an every wave situation in your life. And that's what happens when we fund the gospel. And so we're going to go ahead and thank you for the maintenance people cleaning this up after the service. I got it all over my hand. Next service, what I need you all to do for me is I need you to give me something to wipe my hands with because my notes are going to be sticky now. But would you go ahead and get your special offering in your hand? Would you go ahead and get your commitment cards in your hand? Now, here's what we need everybody to do. Remember, we talked about this. Does everybody come here every single week? Thank you. You're a good volunteer. Thank you. You're an even better volunteer. There's degrees of volunteers. Some are 30, some are 60, some is 100 full. What we need everybody to do is participate. We said all along leading up to this that, that the amount that you sow is individual according to how God has blessed you. But everybody who is here today comes here and eats every single week. And y'all eat some good food every week. I mean, the chef in this house is nasty in a good way. Y'all eat good every week. We all ought to be a part of funding the gospel. And so what we need everybody to do is on this side of the pledge card, fill out your information. And on that side of the pledge card, check which one you are participating in. And then hopefully you're not just pledging today, but hopefully you're putting a first fruits toward your pledge today. Does anybody need an offering envelope or a pledge card that doesn't have one already? Anybody need to hold your hand up? The ushers, ushers, would you come quickly and and serve these people? Keep your hand up. I need a hundredfold ushers today. I need ushers that are quick today. Michelle, you're the quickest one. You're a hundredfold usher. Beating all the guys, just sitting back there doing nothing. I'm just playing with you all right there. Amen. Amen. If you need an offering envelope, raise your hand. You need a commitment card, raise your hand. Remember what our harvest is that we are believing for. 
We are believing for greater things. Our expectation is more people saved than ever before. More people healed than ever before. More people set free than ever before. More kids in our school than ever before. More kids in our daycare than ever before. The ability to sow more into other ministries than we ever have before. That's our expectation. Has everybody been served that needs a card or an offering envelope? If you haven't yet, please, please raise your hand. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Here's what we're going to do. Ushers, would you come forward, please? Would you come forward to the front? We are going to receive the offering after um, I say a quick word of prayer. The ushers will then bring it forward after they receive it, and we'll pray over it all together. This is not the time for you to duck out. This is our worship, because God will watch you if you're ducking out. You think I'm playing with you? Jesus watched the offering in the temple. He said to all the people who was throwing in big bucks, he said, see that little woman over there? She gave all she had. How did he know that? He was watching. This is our time to worship God. Father, we thank you right now for the privilege and the ability to give. We know that all the seed that we have comes from your hand. And we now worship you with just a portion of what you've given to us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Ushers, would you receive that? Would you stand to your feet and worship with us for just a moment? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Pastor Al, would you please come up? Give Pastor Al is actually the best volunteer we have. I was just playing with him before. Would, would Beth and Tim come up? We want to sow into your ministry, into the ministry of the Hoving Home. Praise the Lord. What a joy it is. On behalf of Faith Church, we want to present you with a check for $20,000 today. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. What a joy it is, amen, to sow. And nothing greater in all the world than sowing into the gospel that makes a difference, whether it's here in our church or in other ministries like this. Were you blessed by the girls today? Wasn't it amazing? Amazing, amazing. Let's pray all together. This is a prayer for us as a church, but also for each and every one of you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, here lays our worship today. Father, today we worship you not only with song and not only with hands lifted up, but we worship you in our giving. And Father, we pray that you would take every single seed that was sown here today that you would use it for your glory, you would multiply it, that it would produce good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in the life of this church. Father, we call our project completely paid for in the mighty name of Jesus, all 5.2 million in, in the name of Jesus, and Father, every need and every want, every desire in the life of each person who has sown in love, in honor, in obedience, in expectation, Father, would you meet every need to overflowing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you all. We will see you again next week. Have an amazing day.